Governor Ron DeSantis announces unprecedented legislation to empower educators, protect teachers from overreaching school unions, and raise teacher pay. I roll. First of all, I hate the title. My Bill of Rights. Ugh, okay. Um, that, there's only four of them from what I can tell. So he's like six down. What CTA is mostly concerned about, and my role in CTA is I'm the site rep mm-hmm. for the union, and my biggest job is calming people down, telling them, no, you're... A contract is not being violated. Yes. Um, they can do that. Uh, with this, um, I where I work specifically, um, we have a really high union percentage, mm-hmm. but they are blissfully ignorant and mm-hmm. like despondent from anything that happens in the real world. And so when I try to impress upon them that something like important is happening they don't i mean it's the whole like voter mindset where it's like well i'm just one person like what does it matter and so we've had i had like five people last year tell me that they were gonna not pay dues because their whole thing is what does the union do for me right and no matter how many meetings i have it's like they can't envision what it would be like to be a teacher without a union. Mm-hmm. And I certainly don't want to do that. Right. Um, but they're like, well, it can't be that bad. And a lot of teachers who are boomers are conservative. And so their mindset is, well, I actually don't even want a union because I'd be paid more and I'd be treated better if I didn't have one. How does that work? Exactly. Okay. Um, Ryan, does this gel with your experience of people in unions? I mean, in general, right? Like, so I think you're you're incorporating right, like part of the problem, which is like what we call third partying, mm-hmm. which is like the union exists outside of the workers, mm-hmm. right? So, like, what is the union doing? Is a fundamental problem of like, what are we doing to build collective power as an organization? Right. And part of what we, what like the biggest challenge in organizing, right? Like coming at it from like an organizer is right. Like how, and and in what way do you imagine the union? Like, so Mm -hmm. we oftentimes ask people like, well, when you say the union, what do you mean? So like, I think like, when we're, yeah. I'm not trying to give you advice or anything, but if like we want to, no, I need it. Okay, yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I okay. need it because these people are leaving and not and, and and again, like I don't like I have this graphic and literally I have all the talking points that the union is like. Look, as a site rep, you need to get people signed up because we need when inevitably this goes into a house bill and it will get passed because anything DeSantis does, especially when it comes to teachers, will get passed. We need 60% of employees eligible for representation, and right, the highest that Orange County CTA has ever been is 54%. Right. And that's like us busting our butts getting people to be with the union. Um, so, yes, any advice of not only keeping them, but like... Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, that, yeah, let's chat it out, right? Like, so this, the first thing I would say is that, like, first off, like, um, you know, I'm a teacher like yourself, right? So if I was, if I, um, so when I approach a steward, mm-hmm. like, like yourself, right? I would say like, all right, I, um, you know, I am a representative of your union, right? But like, I am here and we are here like working together, 
So the, the first question is, is like, have a, have a, what we call like just a basic conversation, which is like, what is the union, right? Like ask the person that, right? If they're a member, non-member, right? Like mm-hmm. what is the union? And they'll, and right, like listen to what they're saying, because where you want to guide the conversation is a way that like allows them to understand that dues and money are not enough, right? Like, is this like, do you think that a union is a lobbying firm? Because we're not a lobbying firm. Right. We're a union. Do you think a union is like a professional organization where we hire people to advocate for you? That's what we're not. I'm your rep and I'm a teacher as well, right? Like, And yeah. so like emphasize that, right? Like I am here to help you as a worker achieve our goals in the workplace. So what are those goals? And I think that that then transitions the conversation into like, what do you want to get from the union? Yeah. Right. Like what, what, what do we want to accomplish as workers at our job site? And a lot of these really great conversations and what I had a a, a problem with as well was that like, as educators, we're explainers, right? Like we want to like help people understand, like, I want to put this idea in your head, but we have to go backwards, right? Like I would, one of the core trainings that we went through early on was asking open-ended conversations so that you can hear what, how this individual worker is describing their relationship with their workplace Mm -hmm. and then what they envision the union to be. So, and with non-members and members, right? Like there's really two different conversations, but they're very similar. So have you, when you, uh, you've mentioned several things there, which is that like you have a dues paying member, what does the union do? Yeah. Right. Like, so ask that, you know, I think it's a fair question to ask is like, well, what do you need done? Yeah. Right. So what would you think, uh, how would some of those conversations go? Have you had some of those where like, you know, when they're asking like, what does it do? What have you heard some like responses to that? So, um, when, whenever, um, someone wants to drop out of the union Mm -hmm. and I remind them that the reason that we have protected time, we have protected time in the morning, 45 minutes, Mm -hmm. no admin is allowed to schedule for a meeting. You're not allowed to have any scheduled time. And then you're also protected with our planning time. We have 45 minutes during the day. Um, They're not allowed to schedule you for more than two meetings per week. Okay. And I was like, the reason that that happens is because the union did that. The union bargained for that because if we didn't have one, our admin could schedule us to be the PE teacher. They could okay. schedule us to have a meeting five days a week. Okay, gotcha. Um, and I think, because I worked at a school that had no union representation, and I worked every planning period, mm-hmm. and I worked, you know, 12 hours a day because there was no voice of someone saying they're breaking the contract because no one really knew what the contract was. Okay. And then I'm at, now I'm at a school where... My principal never, ever, ever broke the contract. She would go out of her way to make sure that she wasn't because she mm-hmm. didn't want to get in trouble. Right. And so really, like, I'm at this, like, at this particular site, I'm at, like, a little bubble. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a blissful bubble. But because everything's going so well, they don't understand why they have to keep paying money. Or why do I have to keep being a part of it if everything is fine? Okay, cool. So you said a couple things there I want to I highlight. So when you were speaking as a mm-hmm. rep, I would never say the union. I would mm-hmm. say like we, right? So okay, like we talk good, about yeah. protective time, it's like we we bargained for that so that we could have this time separate from management that mm-hmm. that is valuable to us, right? So do you feel that, you know, and then you could ask them, right? Do you feel that this time is valuable? I mean, yeah. do, you, do you feel that having this ability to 
you know, to have this, you know, to have this part of your workday be for whatever you feel it should be feel, filled with to a, a accomplish your goals. Yeah. Right. Do you think that's valuable? Well, yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. Right. Well, we bargained for that yeah. to have to, we won mm -hmm. these rights and protections through the contract. So in that sense, right, like it puts it very specific. And then I think you can ask, then my follow-up question would be, if there wasn't a legal agreement guaranteeing you this, do you think that a your your administrator, your principal would respect that if there was a, if there was no agreement to say that time is yours? Right. Because then whose time is it? Exactly. It's your boss's time. Yeah. And then they control what you do with that. And you might have a good boss, but bosses change. Exactly. So do you think that that is valuable? And so, right, like there's two ways to kind of like approach those conversations. One is, is making it clear to them that, um, you know, there are things in your job that are beneficial to, mm -hmm. and normally with educators, we always try to frame it of like, you know, our working conditions are our teaching conditions and yes. they affect our ability to, you know, to brighten and enliven our students' lives. Yeah. And we, sh you know, as educators, do you want someone else coming in to tell you how to deal with that? Exactly. And then you, sh when you ask questions, mm -hmm. let them talk through it. Yeah. Because people will sometimes double back on themselves and say like, well, you know, they might not, it would be good. And you're like, yeah, it might be, but that's dependent on who. If there's, if there's no contract in place, this benefit is dependent on the goodwill of your boss. Exactly. And is that a, and is that a situation you want to be in? Right. Well, you know, gosh, I can't, maybe, maybe not, you know, like they'll talk, you know, like be prepared because the last thing anyone wants is to like, you know, is to change their mind in front of someone or especially as like someone who's been through too much college, like the one defeat in your life can be like <laughs> someone else convincing you of something. Right. Right. Like, oh, I lost because I, but like, no, right. Like, you know, make it clear that there are, the conversation is, is like, if we have things we enjoy that the contract protects then it's valuable Perfect. and that value. Yeah. And, and we simply have, you know, like that is part of what the organization is. So I think that that's one of the key things to me would be to, um, you don't want to always put it in a defensive mode, but we can right. kind of talk about what a different perspective of that is. So, but absolutely like frame those, frame those situations and those positive things. Cause that's when we ask the broad question of like, well, what is the union in place? Like what is, you know, like what is good about your job or what do you feel is, is a value in your current position? And the purpose of having a contract is either one uh, to protect what you have and enjoy or two to gain and win yes. something further as well. So then that's literally the transition is like, not only do, are we here to ensure that we have the positive things we enjoy are maintained, but do we want to expand them? Do we want to improve upon them? Do we want to, so, do we need something else as, as a group to make our working and teaching conditions better? And then suddenly you're not in a conversation of like, what does the union do? Then you're in a conversation of what do we need to do? Right. And the union is the vehicle for that. And those are much more positive conversations because it's less, and I think too with this bill, right, is like, this is not something, right, like if, if, if we're in a situation where the legislator is attacking and attempting to destroy this organization, then any of those protections in the contract revert back to management, to, to management's sole decision. And you might think that as an individual, you can, you know, hammer out some sweetheart deal for yourself. Right. But what about everybody else? 
Exactly. And then you're dependent on your relationship with your with your employer as an individual. And that can go up and it can go down. You say the wrong thing in a meeting and uh-oh. Right. And that and it's sometimes difficult with public employees because when you know you have a secure position, it's hard to imagine that insecurity is the other side of the coin because what is this how how are they framing this attack on unions is that you will be you know like you will be a new ubermensch right like suddenly as an individual you will be empowered as exactly. a lone person to win and gain all of the things you're able to yeah. get like i mean you get you, to you, decide you, if you have a raise yeah like and i think the the kind of like reducto de absurdum mm-hmm. is like do you think that if the union goes away that you're going to get paid like you know you're going to be a millionaire as a teacher like, do you think that you're going to be rewarded more? Like, do you think that this is what's holding back the governor from edu- from investing in education? Is that, the union that was going to be my next my next point? Is yeah. I feel like it's it's easy. It would be based on what you're telling me, and I love this advice. It'll be easier for me to like talk about the things that the contract protects, but when it comes to money. That's where I feel like I lose a lot of people because a lot of the teachers have been around for so long that there was, I think like a, I don't know how many years it was. It was right before I started teaching, Mm -hmm. but there was no raises, no bonuses, no anything for like seven or eight years Mm -hmm. because bargaining was going on for so long. Mm -hmm. And so that left such a like bad taste in a lot of teachers' mouths about the union, um, and it made them think, well, if we didn't have a union, I would get paid more. I would get bonuses more because I don't have this force stopping the county from trying to give me okay. something. Here's a good... So the great counters to this, and because we come up with this against a lot, right? Like, yeah. And bosses love to frame it this way too, right? Like, oh, I'd love to pay you more. Yes. But the fact that you collectively bargain prevents me from paying you more. Yes. Okay. So... You can you can go different tacks with this, right? But like, well, hey, you had a job in your last. You, know, you had a job without a union before, right? Correct. How, how were those raises then? They were. were I mean, yeah. Nothing. Yeah, I'm assuming. <laughs> I'm assuming because you're not working at that job anymore without right. a union that you found something better. Yeah. Okay. Right. So I think you've got we got a point of comparison, which mm-hmm. is that like the idea that your friends in the private sector are making money hand over fist because there's no union. Do you really think that's the case? I mean, I think the second thing is is um, uh, about about this idea of I would be making more money. Ask them how do we calculate your dues. So I'm going to ask you this: How do we calculate your dues? Okay. How do we calculate our dues? That's what's, a good question. Yeah. Do you guys do a percentage system? Um. No. That's we a just flat rate. Do, it's just a flat fee. Oh, okay. Oh, that's tough because we do a percentage, right? So oh, then, yeah. Then my argument is is that. Um, why would this organization have a problem with the pe- with their workers making more money? Exactly. What is our what would why would why would why would an organization that claims to represent um, that claims to represent workers want you to make less money? Right. Is that yeah? Like and why then, would yeah, we? Just, yeah, just just let that question hang out there because it doesn't make rational sense. It doesn't. No. But like people will trip over themselves, right? Oh, well, they're only in it for themselves, this and that. No, 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 right? Like we're an organization that claims to represent workers. Is your argument that we're in te- that that this that the union is intentionally doing a bad job? And you just let that question hang out there, and they're like, "Well, okay, it, it doesn't make sense, right?" Like, mm-hmm. so we say, "Okay, yeah. right." So the next thing is is that 
Well, I mean, if there were troubles in bargaining, um, you know, we, did you attend bargaining meetings? Were you engaged in that process? And, and they will say no. Yeah. And then we say, like, <laughs> well, well, okay, right. Like, so, mm-hmm. right. Like, if workers aren't engaged in that process, if I'm management and the workers aren't, aren't organizing, they're not communicating, they're not mobilizing politically, why, as a boss, would I want to give you, why would I give in to you? Exactly. Yeah, and I think that, well, right, like, the, the, the core thing with unions is that more worker participation makes us stronger. Yes. And at the end of the day, that's got to be what we're here for. So the, the, the other key tack with this is to say, if we didn't get what we wanted last time, does it make sense to do exactly what we did last time and thinking we'll get more? Or do we need to find ways to get better at being a union? Right. And then we let that question hang out there. And Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, we just, like, we find, because at the end of the day, like, we have so much, we have, workers have gained so much over the last 120 years. 40-hour work weeks, overtime, fucking weekends, PTO, sick days, pensions. Nobody gave, nobody gave workers that out of the kindness of their heart. At the end of the day, workers had to fight, literally fight for these things. And the idea that we will we will get more by having less power right. does not make sense. It doesn't. It's, and That's one of the interesting things about teachers in particular. I don't know how applicable that is to other public sectors, but Anna, you very frequently talk about the cleave. There are teachers and there are administrators, and they don't do the same thing. And everyone is on one side or the other of this equation. So this idea of just <laughs> there's everyone's playing the lottery when they fight again or fight is too strong a word. People who are anti-union are playing a lottery. They're under the impression that they could outperform mm-hmm. and they could be the one that gets the raise. Because not everybody's going to get the raise. That's the premise of the union is that everyone potentially, theoretically, gets the raise. They think they could outperform and deserve the boss's adulations. Mm -hmm. And teachers don't, like, that's not a perspective you can really have with teaching. Because it's not like almost any other profession where you can theoretically move around within the profession, you know, it, no matter what department you're in, marketing or HR, or any, there's there's tiers. You right. can go to these different organizations and you can move up and down within them. You can play the lottery. You can do the corporate thing. That's not an option for teachers. No. Mm-hmm. You're a teacher, teacher or you're not. Or you're not a teacher. So the only so the only teachers who could plausibly make this argument are trying not to be teachers. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's bizarre how ineffective that is. Um, like they just don't like they, they don't seem to see that. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I don't know. It, it just it seems weird that they don't notice that they can't. They don't pay one teacher $200,000 in the public school system. That's not how it works. If you want to make that kind of money, you have to become a superintendent. Like right. you, don't, you don't get to do the job that you're really good at. No. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Ryan, I don't know how applicable that is to you. You do people like fire departments. I assume there's a little more of an analog there, but it still probably isn't that strong. Well, I mean, the, the toughest thing is that, like, the idea that I'm not rewarded for my performance, I mean, is... But in the public sector, right, like, what is the metric of that, right? Like, exactly. you know, like, what, as a teacher, like, if more of my students pass, or if I'm a good teacher, more of my students pass, therefore I deserve a bonus for 
for for more students passing does that sound like does that sound like an effective way to handle anything like that right like but it also just reverses things back. Well, it, but it could. It, I could see that being the case. But the problem is that you, the difference between what a teacher does and what an administrator does to get those good grades is so different. The skill set is so abstract mm -hmm. the second you stop being a teacher, the second you stop being the person who's informing the students. Yeah. It just, you know, you, you talk about the exercise of simply giving someone a question mm -hmm. and letting them chew on it yeah. until they drive themselves insane. That's all, that's all you would have to do in this case, it feels like. You would, you would just, it's like, okay, what, what is this model you're imagining? Do you get, I mean, do you get a $30,000 bonus for, you know, making sure that every kid in your class makes their way through your grade without falling back caveat who it, whoever they happen to put in your class you know and you have a specific group of kids who are you were given on purpose because they're struggling yes mm -hmm. um what is like just have them have them write on a sheet of paper what they're imagining and see how well that goes for them. Like this is not, and again, maybe it's different in other places, but for teachers in particular, for where there is so clearly <laughs> the worker manager mm -hmm. distinction, it's so strong. Mm -hmm. Like no administration, does a principal, I mean, I guess maybe it, maybe it does happen. Do principals ever sub? No. Okay, never mind. I take it back. There's no, <laughs> there's no scenario where this is applicable. They don't even do test administration. Well, one of the things I want to so you mentioned that you know being a steward is tough, right? So how do you rep people in discipline situations? Yes, that's okay. like one of the things that we are is you're allowed to ask for me to be in a meeting if in an email specifically you feel like you're being called to be reprimanded. Mm -hmm. But if it's verbal, it doesn't count. But if it's an email like, hey, come see me after school for whatever, you're allowed to bring me with you. No, so do you have an organizer that you work with on these things? Yeah. Okay. That, so let me clear. So this is not... <laughs> so wine garden rights are pretty cut and dry. Any mm -hmm. conversation that a worker feels might lead to discipline you have a, the 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 employer has a responsibility to to inform you of that when you ask that question so right? even if it's not an email and so this is some, this is i don't know if it's so i'm not only sure with my teachers but like being the person who talks to the person who helps me answer union questions is they're like well if it's not an email then you can't represent them so okay so my reply would be so you're saying that 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 my employer could that the that the employer can just not email someone exactly. and eventually just get and get the information to to fire them with just cause as Correct. long as they don't put it in email. Is that what you're saying? That's what drives me crazy. Yeah, that's not accurate. Like, okay. So I would push back against and you can give them my name. I don't give a shit. But like, I would say that like I was doing some research into Widen Garden rights and it seems pretty clear that any conversation between an employer and an employee that the employee feels might lead to discipline, they have a right to, to not answer those questions without the presence of a union steward. Okay, see, this is amazing. Because <laughs> I was like, how do I Google? I'm like, what do I Google? Wine garden rights. Wine garden rights. See, and I, I wouldn't have known that. But I was like, I feel like this isn't correct. 
But it has to be in an email. No. Because then principals just wouldn't email anybody. Then they can just, then, <laughs> then, well, that's the thing, right? Like then they, yeah, that's, that's the workaround and that's right. not what the law intends. Right. Yeah. Like, so, you know, I, and it's a, it's a fucking Supreme court case, right? Like these things are Taking fairly notes, clear. Yeah. And so I would push back against your your We're rep- recording. You can do that after yeah. the film. I can do that. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh. Okay. And I would like I would I would start. Do you have a way to communicate with your unit, or does the union have that? Uh, your your uh, the the union members at your school. Um. Basically. Okay. Gotcha. Like, yeah. So I would you know as a steward I um, you know we, we need to think in terms of like campaign which is like right. you know what is the purpose what are we organizing for and you know education among our membership is really crucial and so you know having ways that we can communicate these wine garden rights to them would be a good way to step up because then the one thing workers need to know is that like this is I have a right I have a right granted by the Supreme Court any conversation I feel that might need lead to discipline, meaning my answering of that question could lead to a discipline scenario, I'm going to invoke my wine garden rights and I am going to request that a steward be present. And the employer has a responsibility to not persist. So when I when on when workers are in situations like that, I always try to communicate to them like if you feel this is happening, you request a union steward. And if they deny you and keep asking questions, refuse to answer and say, with respect, I'd like to, I will only, I will answer this question in the presence of my union steward and l- contact me immediately after that meeting. And we'll work the fallout. If you're in the wrong, we'll work through, we'll have a meeting. You'll answer the questions. Okay. But, right. They have to answer the questions, but the employer has to respect your rights. You know, it's a condition of, if you, you have to participate in the investigation, but you have to then, but the employer has to re- respect your rights in that. And we, you know, like we can give little statements that you can, you know, we used to have like union cards and on the back of every union card was the statement you read if you feel your wine garden rights are being violated. Respectfully refuse to answer this question without the presence of a union steward. Right? You just say that because it's very clear that it's when the employee feels and later on we can work it out and you have to answer the questions. Absolutely. Um, but feeling and having people more secure in their rights, I think will make them be, um, feel better as well. The other thing is um, protected concerted activity. Do you know what that is? No. Okay, cool. So protected concerted activity means that you as an individual worker have more protections when we organize on the job to, to bring this up. So like a safety issue or something like that. If I bring a safety concern and I push it as an individual, I am legally less protected under employment, under my under my rights as an employee if I bring this as a group of two, two or more people. So if there's like two, if, if you're literally more protected, one person says like, Hey, that slip mat needs to be replaced. And I send emails and they don't do anything like, and let's say something happens where there's an issue where the employer employee feels they're being retaliated against. Right. You are more protected and the unfair labor practice will file, um, will have more weight legally if it's two workers that sign that email. And so this then transitions into the next thing, which is that if you if a worker brings a concern to you, the your first issue is is like, all right, what's the answer to this issue? Right? Like you're right. Sometimes there are just, you know, like the terms and conditions of employment tend to favor bosses. That's true. Right. Right? There's you know, our contract only covers what our contract covers. The opportunity then is is like, 
do you, the question I would ask in those meetings is, do you know if anyone else has the same issue? Well, gosh, I don't know. Okay. Well, let's ask, right? Like, let's start asking, like, let's find ways to address issues collectively because odds are if one person is facing this concern, it might be a group of people facing this concern and we can begin to address it together. And so as a, you know, using the power of, you know, looking for collective problems and finding collective solutions has to be the mindset. And that's the challenge for any steward is what is our capacity to communicate with members about these issues, right? Like that has to be the, 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 the main issue. Uh, that has to be the main question you as a steward face is that is this, is this just affecting one worker or is this affecting a group of workers? Cause suddenly if it's a group of workers, we can start organizing together. We can, we can, understand the problem even greater than that. And if need be, and this is like the final question, is that if folks are frustrated that a, a, there's not a, a part of their workday that is protected by the contract, we need to know because this can be a, a proposal in the next bargaining session. So gains and benefits and rights on the job can always be expanded and the vehicle for that is the union. Right. Yeah. And so we have, um, we have an FAC and that's Faculty Advisory Committee and that is run by me. Mm -hmm. um, and so the idea is that we nominate eight to 12 people and you have to have at least eight. And they're the ones who bring the anonymous like concerns around the school. And then we look for patterns and then we bring them and put them into notes and the principal has to. Is that something through the union or? Yes. Okay, great. Is. Yeah, great. Yeah. yeah. So we have that. Um, I think that my particular school problem is that rarely do we have a contract issue mm -hmm. and when we do because i hear like whenever i go to like an ar meeting um ar meetings are uh, uh associate rep which okay. is our union like i'm the rep for so i go to a meeting once a month right. um and so i just get updates from the union and whenever i like bring up something that i feel like one of my teachers brought to me and is struggling with it's like while well, you're at so you don't have problems and so that's why, like, I the whole wine garden thing, I kept talking to the person who was supposed to help me at the union, mm -hmm. help this one employee. Again, I rarely have a situation where a teacher will come up to me and be like, hey, can you mm -hmm. represent me or can you help me? And so, like, I think because I'm at they don't take me seriously because it's like you don't you like or? you don't have a problem because you work at a nice school and i think that that's what i'm seeing with the union in general is because it's so there's so many schools mm -hmm. and um there's kind of this feeling of okay well if you work at a nice school you can't complain if you work at a bad school we're going to help you more and we're going to listen to you more and give you actual advice okay um the union is doing the this. union is doing sure this. okay okay so i okay so no this is so we have issues internally right so this is i think one of the other challenges that union leaders face as well right like the internal power dynamics of these right. situations also um so play that scenario back where you go to these um ar meetings right and rather than saying like hey i've got this i've got this one professor they've got this issue instead you go to this meeting and said um I've got a petition from 40 members that say this is an issue and a problem. Okay. Does you feel that, I mean, I'd like to bring this, we would like to bring this issue to address and I will report back to this, to the group of professors. 
right? Like collective power suddenly, this is so much of the issue, right? Like um, one person, one versus, yeah, one person is an annoyance. 40 people saying this is like, so, okay, okay, this is an actual issue, right? Like Anna's not bringing me a complaint, uh, you know, let me talk to the manager complaint. Correct. Right. Like now Anna's bringing me a problem that we need to solve. Complaint versus problem. Yeah, exactly. Right. And that's, I think more broadly. And this is, I think it, it sounds hokey. And part of the issue will be you'll face from workers is like a petition. I'm going to put my name on these things. Like you want me to like, and then, because petitions also sound hokey, right? Like, right. oh, petition. Oh, we're going to sign a petition. What's that going to do? <laughs> and once again, the question is, is like, you know, have you done this before? Have you signed a workplace petition before? Right. No. Okay. So you don't know if it works or not, right? Like, but you've stated that the, that nothing happens and nothing gets done. Well, I'm saying let's try something different, right? Like let's, Let's do something different and and make sure we get a result this time. And then you can also say the the classic line like one person is a complaint, forty people is a problem, right? Like, and they'll say like, oh yeah, like you know that kind of makes sense, right? Like one yeah. person bitching, it can be ignored. Exactly. Forty people organizing suddenly is much harder to ignore because where are you going to go? Where are these forty workers and what are they going to do after this, right? Like suddenly these are forty dues paying members that are bringing a concern. As an organizer, I'm like, okay, like. If I don't, if I don't help these forty people out, there might be ramifications from right. this. So, you you know, changing the math of of and with educators as well, because we represent, you know, part time adjunct faculty. Breaking down barriers of isolation will be your finding ways to do that will be your challenge, because ultimately, right? Like I'm in my classroom, I have my people, I you know, drink and smoke cigarettes in the faculty lounge with the other professors, <laughs> right? But like, you know, like that's my interaction with my peers. How do we break these barriers down so that we collaborate, collect, you know, as a group and collectively together? Now that's its own set of problems, but like that's a set of problems I think you'd rather be working on right. rather than convincing an individual like, hey, this is really important. I need you as an individual to join us. Um, and I can talk about like you know later on about like petition strategies and, and things like that. But like the other thing is, is that circulating a work petition is a right. And do your yes. do your workers know that they probably don't? They don't. Yeah, and and so like, you know, we can show them you know four four seven and the statutes that clarify the rights they have. Um, I would you know um, we can have you as a union rep. You can put it in emails or hold like twenty minute trainings where we you know like hey you know like these are the rights you have. Are you aware of these things? Like and as and the other great thing too is and I do these in my new employee orientations. Which by the way, do you have any NEOs or do you have like a new faculty thing that you have at the beginning of the year? Uh, yes, we do. Do you have a union time and union rep there? We have, um, like downtown. I was actually telling David about this is Mm -hmm. that the union asked me to be a recruit person. Yeah. Um, at, uh, they do something called great beginnings. And so it's every new person has to do this Mm -hmm. and it happens like every other month basically because there's so many teachers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think too, right? Like this is where like, those are super important Yes. because ultimately every new person comes in fresh and you have a much higher success rate in building into this. And so at those meetings, the clear union difference is like, first off is wine garden rights. Like you have a right at a union job that you didn't have uh, at a non-union job. Yes. Like first off, that's like so. Anytime you need it, you feel a conversation leads to discipline. You invoke your rights, and as an American, are you telling me you have a right? 
that you don't know about? <laughs> like, I mean, we're the land of like, right. Yeah, like no, like this is your right. You need to exercise, and your exactly. rights only exist when you exercise and defend them. So you know, joining the union ensures this, and. Then you talk about how you have rights to collectively uh, address issues that you cannot be punished for or retaliated against. And we as a union work collectively to ensure that we can make our working conditions the most successful teaching conditions for all of us. That is beautiful. constantly batter that into their heads. Everything we do on the job to improve our working conditions is meant to improve our teaching conditions so that we can be more successful for our children and like, or for our community or however, and just fucking hammer that into their heads because ultimately it's true it like, is you all are the point of contact anyone in the administration who says they're doing a, a more important job than you is bullshitting themselves like there is just no other way to view it and i think and y'all are in this is the thing too like y'all are, have such an important role in our society why would you not want to get to collectively work together to make this better like nobody puts up with the bullshit y'all have to put up with for no reason. You have to you have to like and enjoy at some level what you're doing, and tapping into yourself. I'm communicating what I feel about how I was a te- why I was a professor. Finding and tapping into why you like your job and what you love doing about your job. Find a way to to bring that feeling out when you have these conversations because that will i think help people feel more inspired about what what you do as a uh, for your living now yeah. you will have some cynical sons of bitches in which case you just say like hey you know you can get fired for no reason without a union and then they're like oh well you know that makes sense and i can like you know at least it'll protect <laughs> me till i can get to fucking retirement you know if <laughs> but like at the other side is is engaging and building a collective culture where if we feel we're being ignored our only recourse is to band together and have each other's backs and move forward and knowing your rights, being secure in how you can stand up to them and doing it in a professional and respectful way is the first step forward in that. Like it just has to be. And because everyone always has the, you know, that was the, the daisy or the, the, um, the poppy, the poppy flower where like the tallest flower gets cut off. So that idea that like, I'm going to be as an individual standing up, right? Like we will feel much more comfortable invoking these rights. If we stand together collectively, together, yeah. like that's the only way forward. And uh, or you phrase it in a question is like, you know, do you feel or have you gone to, you know, raise an issue on your own before? And how did that work out? Gosh, you know, because and we want to agitate, right? We want to tap into those issues that each worker feels is important to them. And you say, great. Did you how did you go about it? And they tell you the story. And I'm like, well, I went alone and I asked and I was like, great. What happened? Well, nothing. OK, so, you know, how can we improve on this in the next time? How can we ensure there's accountability and uh, and that's a whole other, uh, whole further discussion. But in wrapping things up, right, phrasing that union difference and clarifying that and asking those open-ended questions of, do you really think life will be better if you're on your if you're even more on your own than when you are now? Do you understand your rights and what it means to have a union at a job? All right, well, let's work on those together. And then the next thing is, is using these rights, how can we frame and understand every issue and see if it's a and see if it's a collective problem how we act collectively to solve it and it's linking those together because the worst thing i heard from you today was the third partying the union is something else and it will you will only be able to make progress if you break that connection and there is no the there is only we and us 
we did this, we won this. We have admin time, we won that, and we need to protect it. And if anything, let's get another 15 minutes, right? Like, fuck it. Like, we're, yeah. like, come on. Like, come on. Like, this, is, this isn't something that we're just defending. This is something we need to look offensively at. So, uh, I don't want to ask another question. I mean, did you have any concerns or have you kind of like, see how you can have opportunities like this in the conversations you've already had, do you think? Or? Oh, no, that's incredible. No, I needed, I, I love this because I needed some motivation because one of the only reasons I am the AR is because I think since I've been at um, I was asked to be a rep because I'm someone who doesn't mind being the person that says something, mm-hmm. um, even if I get in trouble. Um, but the past couple of years, so based on the percentage of your union members at your school, you can have X amount. Yep. Um, and so we can have three ARs. Um, and so far, it's just been me because nobody wants to do the going to the meetings and listening to people. And I think that I've forgotten why I like being an AR. Mm-hmm. And so I needed... This is really good motivation because yeah. I think with all the other things I'm doing, I've just been seeing being the union rep is like another thing I have to do. Mm-hmm. And it's just exhausting. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but it's important. It's very important. And I think that I needed a conversation with somebody who knows how important it is. Absolutely. So, Okay, so I'm hearing two. Pro- I want to. I want to talk about politics because do you guys have a turnout operation? When for y'all need a school board? Do you guys have turnout for school boards? Do we, yeah. When we have like school board meetings. No, I meant. Do you guys have? Do you guys run an election program where you're where you do voter registration or voter turnout for elections? We, we have, do not. We have member. Okay, so this is fucking bonkers to me, right? Like y'all have a school board, right? We do. Okay, and your school board is who you bargain with, right? Correct. These are elected officials that live in the that that represent the community where you have members living, correct? Correct. And your union, and it's no slack on whatever county we happen to be living in. Your union does not mobilize its union members to vote for candidates that are pro-union. They do not. That is fucking bonkers to me. It is one of the biggest, like, the biggest fights that end up happening um if i hear point of order one more time i'm gonna lose my mind um when when we go to these meetings is the amount of people i think who are ars and um who end up being part of the union are people who don't want to talk about politics because when you think about well who are teachers especially elementary school teachers they're women Mm -hmm. they don't want to have to think about politics they're older um, I think my graduating class, we've had the lowest percentage of teachers who are still teaching mm-hmm. um, because everyone quit. Because of course, I'm like, why wouldn't you go do something else? Yeah, I just liked it too much, I guess. Um, and so nobody wants to talk about politics. Well, okay. the people who don't want to talk about politics are the people who are voting for the people who do crap like this. Yeah, and they don't want to be called out for being anti-teacher because they are one. Um, and so. We end up never talking about who are the candidates that are going to help you as a teacher the most, mm-hmm. because the biggest voice is this isn't about politics; this is about being a teacher. Well, the thing is, is there this you can't separate them. Okay. Like the yeah, well, because it becomes around the politics around education. Right. So 
the, one of the toughest, so one of the rules we use in unit organizing is, you know, we use a bit of leftism. We, are, we talk about the, the material conditions we live in. So, once again, we don't want to talk about politics. Okay, so we are in a position where our union bargains against the legislative authority uh, that oversees our employers, which is the school board, right? Right. All right. So these people run for elections every year, right? And, you know, yeah, they run for elections every year, right? Okay, good. So that means that we have an opportunity to hire our own bosses. Right. This is, do you know any other job where the ultimate, you know, do you, when was the last time you were able to like vote to help elect your CEO? No. Okay. So I, I get that you don't want to talk about politics, but do you think it's rational that we would not want to elect representatives who agreed that teachers needed to be paid more? Or we would, should we not elect people who re respect the collective bargaining rights that we currently inhabit? I mean, these are, you, should, you said these are ARs, these are union members? Yes. So do you recognize that there, has, that there is a connection between our ability to influence who we bargain with yeah. through elections? Exactly. And it's just, leave. I mean, once again, like Mike dropped that. And the bigger issue, um, it sounds to me also, is that like ARs and leadership positions, these things are up for grabs. Yes. So the, you know, there is a, there's a membership strategy, right? Like where we are, how are we communicating with rank and file members? All right. These are the people who are like, Hey, I got problems. I got issues. Oh, I don't, I don't need another thing to do. Um, well, you know, like these are the people that need that baseline education, right? Like, Oh, the union. What do you mean? The union? Like as soon as someone says that to me in a conversation, I'm like, what do you mean? Who is the union? I'm, out. I'm like, you're the union. I'm individually. I'm the union. I'm like, oh, okay. No, well, no, you battle that out. All right. We, 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 then, you know, okay. So I'm buying into the idea that like, okay, the union is actually the workers. That's the end point of that conversation. Cause right. it's true. The second thing is, is then, okay, what is our, what does it mean to be a union member? Do you guys, do you represent non union members? No. Fucking a. Okay, good. So that is another key point as well, <laughs> right? Like, you know, straight up, right? Like that is the main difference as well. Oh, I don't need it. That's fine. You might not need it. That's cool. But regardless, you still need to know your rights and we help enforce those rights. Great. Then I think the other challenge for you, especially if you're wanting to like implement some of these dynamics is I think every conversation with the union member moving forward, don't go into it with your past, right? Like obviously you know these people, but like moving forward, like I would start from zero every single new conversation you have with okay. any union member. And just, hey, you know, um, you know, what are some of the concerns you have? Like, what do you uh, think um, about the union? What are some problems you'd like to face? Right, like, kind of start from zero, and always be asking more questions of the people you're talking to. Right, like that is the hardest thing when you're organizing is the eighty twenty rule. Right, like, you know, listen eighty percent of the time, talk twenty percent of the time. Um, in those conversations, be looking for indications of people who are buying into that vision and seeing them as potential union reps because my next goal if i was an organizer would be you need fucking help yes and that's you know so even if you think you might have people hey you know they're responsive they're trustworthy let's get them educated on their rights you know like you know we need to make sure our union is as strong as possible and we need people to help fill these roles and i think you'd be a good person for that a little bit of flattery never hurts as well but like I think another goal as you move through this is like, especially since we're heading into a legislative fight as our right. union is like, if there are people that are realizing that this is a threat and needs to be addressed, 
those are the immediate candidates I'd have for my potential leaders moving forward as well. In which case we have petition drives, we have um, you know mobilization efforts. We need to call a chapter meeting of Zoom and we set it for an hour with an agenda so people know what's going on and what we're going to talk about. And oh, by the way, there won't be notes, so you can't just like you know read the email. We need your feedback. Like we know we yeah. need you to participate. Um, right, like that'll be the next step in and see who's buying into this and see them as the natural people to help help you in your role at the as well. Um, and you just, you know, stage up each time and move forward with it because, uh, you know, I know it's tough being alone, right? But like finding ways to build and support where it's not like, oh, I'm asking for help. Like, you know, it's like, no, we need to, I need you to help me build this collectively together, right? Like that'll be the key port. And the more, and, and you know, like you won't get a yes every time. Like it, people will have to come around to a different way of thinking about things and some people it can take a com one conversation. Some people it'll be five conversations. But you know, a lot. I think starting from zero and not allowing past biases will be your challenge, and it requires a, a special person to be able to do that because other people only want to rely on their judgments because it's safe for them. Right. No, I I love the starting from zero. I like that a lot. I think that will help me. Allow people to surprise you. Like yeah. you give them, give them another yeah. opportunity to surprise you and you never know. Like some people might just, you know, they might not. And, but trying these new techniques and trying to frame it in a way that's a, that uses that collective language. And like I said, like, and you know, I use this as my counter, my, my point to this is that our chief steward at one of our units is a black Trump supporting Republican, but like for like 80% of the fights we get into, he's exactly who you want in the room with you. Like he has, he is empathetic. He is, um, you know, a, a leader. Um, but you know, like I just can't ask him to volunteer and walk for Democrats, but like right. <laughs> every, in every other way he is absolutely who you want as a steward in the job. And in that sense, right? Like, you know, like you start, you, you go back and you're like, you know, like, well, what, what are the qualities that makes this person valuable to the union? Those are them. And are there qualities that don't make them a value to the union? Absolutely. But, you know, like, he's there and he's right. in the strike and he's in the struggle and he took an opportunity and he ran with it. And it's, all right, we're good. Like, let's keep going. And so, and then everything, you know, then there just multiplies our problems, but they're good problems to have, right? Like, you know, you always like, I'd rather be solving these issues. I'd rather be solving these problems than those problems. And I think that that's kind of the mindset you have to take as well. Yeah. So, damn. Um, so at this elementary, um, what's your, what's, what's, <laughs> this elementary school, what's your, what's your density at roughly? Uh, we're at, uh, 85%. Fucking a God damn it. Kill for 85%. Yeah. No. So that's why like, I, I don't, not only do I want to keep the 85%, I, I don't like, we've been getting a lot of, um, uh, turnover only because a lot of teachers are retiring. So we're hiring new teachers. Mm -hmm. And so I want to make sure that I snatch them up if you will and so far we've had five new teachers and i've gotten them all to sign up beautiful um and so i love you love to see it right like like the ones who left we hired the new ones and i and i got them to sign up and so right now i'm just hearing a lot of everything is really like we have a new principal mm -hmm. um everything is very nice everything is very happy like we're all in a really great place um and so then it's kind of like I'm taking medication that makes me feel really good, so I'm gonna stop taking that medication because I'll be fine without it. So they're like, well, I don't understand why I would 
Why am I paying $35 a paycheck mm -hmm. to everything is great? Yes, the RBG umbrella in the rain. I mean, that that analogy works in a whole lot of places. It's, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I've had my, like, I do like a 10 minute meeting because teachers value their time. And so once a month I do a 10 minute meeting where I just kind of go over like, and for the past, I don't know, since COVID, the, all we really ever updated them on was like COVID protocols. Mm -hmm. um, and at that point it was like not union based because the county was just making them like every five minutes. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had put in for another 10 minute meeting, but I, but I think because all the meetings have been like, there's not a whole lot to update. Like, have you, you know, I just do a check-in, like offer donuts and mm -hmm. all that kind of crap. I called for a 10 minute, 10 minute meeting for this and I had my team show up and nobody else because they're like, I'm thinking it's because the, the precedent so far has been like, okay, well, everything's fine. Like mm -hmm. Anna wants to meet again at 8 a.m. Like, oh my God. Um, and so I think it's pressing upon them that like, this is imminent and it's going to happen. Like it's not a bill yet, but I need to act like it is because at this point, whatever DeSantis wants when it comes to education, he's going to get. I don't. So I would disagree. I would push back against the fatalist mentality, um, which is that like, if that's the case, then why didn't this bill pass last year? Well, he just proposed it. Oh, I know, but the, yeah. the attack on public sector unions have happened for the past three years. Why didn't they pass last year, right? Like, so the idea that, like, this is inevitable um, is just depressive thinking. So that there's, I mean, and I would, you know, so I can give you the bill numbers from last year that mm -hmm. basically, um, you know, what he's doing is essentially smart, right? Like, he's right. folding this into his education platform, which is what he hasn't done in the last years. But just know that, like, his... His education priorities and his attack on unions are two different things. Mm -hmm. And don't buy into the narrative that they are the same thing. Which means if he has other educational goals that he wants to change, be it either No Child Left Behind kind of bullshit or whatever, like those bills can pass without the anti-union and restricting our rights in the workplace. And that's how I would start framing this. Is like this is, this is not providing you anything. This is stripping any collective power you have at holding on to and, and maintaining the benefits and rights you have on the job right now. And those two are not the same things. Like, okay. and just we, like we have to do something about this because if we, if we don't do anything, then that is the wrong culture to have because if this does pass, not doing anything will simply be allowing him to run roughshod over every other aspect of our lives. Exactly. So at some point you might feel that this is okay and that these $35 go away, but do you want it to feel like you're working at McDonald's again? Right. Because that's, that's what this place is going to be like. You will be an at-will employee, and there will be nothing standing between you and your boss firing you because they didn't like what you said. Like, what protects you, what protects you then? Exactly. Oh, you know, oh, oh you're going to go to Morgan & Morgan, and they're going to take <laughs> up your $40,000 case for pro bono? Or do you have the twenty grand? You know, do you have the ten thousand dollars retainer they need? Like, just start talking to them because that's the other alternative. Is if you're on your own, what does that mean? Right. Like, oh, we're just going to go an employment attorney. Like, have you, you know, like how do you think that works out for people? Oh, and then they take forty percent on top because you're pro. Yeah. Like, I mean, I wouldn't get into that, right? Like, it, but it's it probably doesn't hurt to make people recognize how 
few practical options they really have. Mm -hmm. I think because a lot of what the union does, the union is framed, and this is, again, Ryan White, you mentioned the us versus them element of it. Um, even if you even if you askew that, though, I, the union does, in fact, increase your number of practical options for dealing with bullshit at your workplace. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you are by yourself, you can do all of these things mm -hmm. at tremendous personal cost. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, it's, it's about recognizing the difference between a practicable and an impracticable option and freedom that you could exercise, but you never would mm -hmm. because it is simply too costly. And individual arbitration is a fantastic example of that. Yeah. I mean, that's why every company in the world is moving toward forced arbitration because no one wants to put up with it. Yeah. It's incredible. It's the burden is so. I mean, the company employs lawyers. They don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Right. They they got to pay them no matter what. You don't, <laughs> and you don't want to because lawyers are insanely expensive. Right. Um, and you know unions obviously bear a, a relevant cost there, and it's not like it's free for them, but also a little bit of sharing goes a long way there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. It's a it's about getting them to understand the difference between a realistic and an unrealistic option yep. because it does feel more free to not have to go through this other body except that that other body is presenting you with you know in some ways theoretically a limited set of things that you can do a limited set of levers you can pull but the levers actually do something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Whereas right. you have an infinite number of levers by yourself, most of which will do nothing whatsoever. Yeah. They're just pretend. They're 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 a fidget spinner. They're a um, a busy box. There we go. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. And the other thing with politics too is like cuz you don't have a politically organized union, right? So this is you're right. starting it's it's a, it's going to be a tough starting position because without a without a a, without a union culture that recognizes the importance of politics, that it sucks to have to start a political fight, especially as dire as one as this. Like now we're in a situation where like, oh, you know, we don't talk about politics as a practical matter that can we can build and gain leverage for improving our teaching conditions, right? Like right. We, because we don't engage with that, we're starting behind, but ultimately, you know, it's it's you know the the classic existential problem, which is that like oh like uh, you know I don't want to engage with politics. Well, it's too bad because politics are going to you know politics are going to affect your working conditions, Correct. right? Like you know I don't want to believe in God. Well, it's too bad because God believes in you, right? Like those <laughs> like that's the problem we face. And so you know like I I think that you know the calling meetings. Do you set you ha you set the agenda yourself? Yeah. Um, do you? Ha uh, I I think a simple Google form for like asking questions that people can address would be a good way to kind of like build momentum into that as well. Like feeling like well, once counter countering this idea that like you're the union, right, will be important as well, right? Like oh, I'm the union. Oh well, oh, no, right? Like we're the union. We, if you have yeah. concerns, like let's bring these up together. Um, you have to be if you have a question, you need to be present at the meeting to you know to ask it, and we'll discuss it then. Um, so finding once again to build that collaborative aspect to where it's like, oh, I'm having to do this. I'm setting the agenda, and you know, like, and then I think talking about this as a perspective. So, um, you know, we'll be 
kind of the thing as well. Like, all right, how, we have power, right? Like, you know, if these are legislators, they rely on elections. They rely on winning their seats again. If they, how do we influence this? Well, I mean, how many members do we have of this union? Like, how many people, how exactly. many, you know, like, well, you're telling me that this collective power can't be leveraged to, you know, um, to communicate to elected, to our officials. These are people who represent right. us. We have to recognize that this is a fight we need to engage with um, because it's it's engaging with us. Yeah. Like we, like, we didn't bring this fight. What did we do to have the governor come at, come at us like this, right? Exactly. Like he simply, um, you know, at the end of the day, if you get rid of unions, your boss gains more control. Like the, the, the bosses will have more control because that, it, you know, we go from having a dialogue to being told what to do. Dialogue. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. Like unions are about a, a, a balance between the employer and the employee. Yes. If you remove unions, suddenly you're in a conversation with yourself. Exactly. Right? And that's, uh, that, is that a situation you want to be in? And then you shut up. And then you're <laughs> yeah. like, well, no, then you, then you yeah. let them figure out, exactly. you know, like you let the gears turn mm-hmm. and like people will, you know, like, will like I said, especially people with a little too much college, you know, they'll, <laughs> they'll spit out and they'll think and they're like, well, look, you know, we're respectfully, I think we can disagree on these points or I really hope that you can think about and come around because we're trying to build something. Like we, like we're oh, trying we, to, yes. um, you know, to push back to ensure that once again, our work, our, we have the best working conditions so that we can have the best teaching conditions for our students. That line will be oh you yes. hit that shit in their heads over and over again and um, but I do think you know and we're feeling I, I will say that we're dealing with a lot of it in our units as well where like we don't have an activist culture within a lot of our units in our union and we need activists to help push back against this yeah so, yeah I was going to ask how old and a average you said five new teachers are coming in yes how old are they um. Uh, two of them are in their 50s. They were stay-at-home moms who went back to school to become teachers. Okay. Um, and then we have two paras who work with um, our autism unit. And then one is a... She's 24. Okay. Years old. Do you guys have any other uni- unions at the school who represents bus drivers and things like that? No. Really? Out in Orange County? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so you don't have like a staff union there of like janitors or anything like that? No, it's um, it's us, and then there's the OESPA for the admin. Oh, okay, gotcha. OESPA, okay. Yeah, but I don't know about the janitors or the okay. bus drivers. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things you can leverage as well, right? Like, it, you know, I mean, that's, you know, it's way in advance, right? But then it's like dialoguing with other unions at the same workplaces where it's like, hey, you know, like, this affects both of us. We need to communicate these kind of things. Are we in, Are we in communication with each other? Do we... You know, do we know the union reps for that union that you're at as well? Like, you know, I mean, it's really, it's that kind of just relationship building and organizing and finding those networks together. And um, I think your biggest challenge, you know, obviously will be like that that language change and, and starting from zero from every yeah. future conversation will be good. Using those new conversations for opportunities to recruit new leaders. And then I think you know, pushing back against the bad advice you've been given against that. Cause at the end of the day, I, w- I don't understand what organizer or union rep worth their salt does not know the wine garden right protection. Or I think maybe just doesn't want to fight, fight it out. Cause right. you know, like, um, 
but yeah, let's walk before we can run, right? Like, (laughs) 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 but no, I'm shocked. I'm like, you know, that's one of the, like, and I guess there's a kind of like lack of militancy with, with teachers unions, um, especially in the South, which I get, I mean, I'm not blaming y'all for that. Right. But like, you know, the unions in Florida in general, and we experience this within our broader union, right? Like we sometimes contract with the international to do like phone banking membership drives. Yeah. And like every time they do them in Florida, like they have like 40% less success, 50%, they're half as successful. Oh, wow. Than like if they do like this shit and like, then they call a bunch of workers in Michigan and have them sign up to the, like twice as successful than they are in Florida. Right. So we're starting already behind this kind of thing. Um, but it's, um, we are admittedly not geopolitically the rest of the United States. I well, mean, in, Flo- Florida is an immigrant town of a very particular stripe. So, yeah. well, and it, it's a challenge too, right? Like, there's this might be someone's first job with a union. Yes, so you have no idea what's going on. Your parents and your grandparents weren't in unions, right? Like I, my like my parents were, and like you know, this tends to be a thing you see over and over again. Is like the most engaged active union members come from union culture. So without a union, you know, and in the South, there's not a lot of union culture because of like, you know, structural racism. Like, <laughs> right. Um, and, and, so, and exodus immigration from other places. Yeah. I mean, it's every, everyone here is dislocated. Mm-hmm. In a way, it's sort of like New York, but more fucked up. Well, no, I mean, I, I love it when I get fucking New York people in the job because like, they're like, yeah, of course, I'll join the union. Like, it's not yeah. a fucking problem, you know? Like, I mean, it's kind of weird, like, but, you know, overcoming this and 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 in the south we're especially in florida like we we just face in that additional challenge which is why they you know they ran the fucking numbers they said they could have picked any number they chose 60 percent for a reason right exactly like, like they know what like these fucking people are not stupid they know right. what they're doing and why they're yeah. doing it um and i think like you know that like beginning that reframing of the of the conversation um and avoid third partying of the union and um saying that like i am you know i am your union rep i'm a you know i'm just i'm an educator like you right like this is important and go from there because you can actually say that man and like your conversations trust me when you start changing this up will go breezingly well like as a like someone who works for the union and having done both roles right like i organized my workplace as a worker that was fighting for a union to create for ourselves and i've had conversations with literally the same some of the same people as an organizer and like it is, I was shocked at how those conversa- how different those conversations were. You have an, a really powerful point of leverage in those relationships because you're a worker and the job. Right. Like it was me coming in saying like, "Hey, you know, like blah blah blah." Like, and by the way, your dues pay my salary, and it's like yeah, the third like, party wraps a lot yeah. harder yeah. for you. Fuck you. Than like, it is. <laughs> um, but like, I always counter back, and I'm like, you know, like, look, I have a union at my job, right? Like, I have a union for my union, right? Like, this is you know, like like. So I have little rhetorical things that I push back on people from that, right? But at the same time, like, you know, you have such a, a great starting point um, because your experiences are exactly the same as theirs. And at the end of the day, they know who they're talking to. Right. So don't be afraid to, you know, put it on a little bit, right? Like, okay. Yeah. Like lean into those conversations and be willing to stand those kind of like awkward, si- uh, awkward silences. And, and in the way we've been talking about... In, a, in an organizing conversation, if you don't feel uncomfortable at some point in that conversation, then you need to be pushing a little bit further, the, especially the other person's assumptions. Right. So, you know. And Absolutely. That's, that is a challenge. Like, that is one of the tougher things is that, like, you know. Being uncomfortable. 
Well, I think <laughs> push, pushing back yeah. against that and asking them, like, you know, like, like multiple ways, right? Like, who is the union? What do you think the union is? Um, you know, uh, 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 if you've done, if you, if we did something last time and it wasn't successful, do you think the answer is doing the same thing again? Like, it, it, different, obviously, ways of presenting that, but like, straight up, like, you know, like, or the other questions are like, what do you want to see happen? And then let it go from there. Yeah. And like, um, oh, and the other thing too, just little tips of the trade. Yes. If you've got a journal or you have a list of your union members, get that fucking shit in writing so that you have, so you're not relying totally on your memory, but like. Oh yeah, I have a binder. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Binder full of women. I have a binder full of women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yep. <laughs> but like, um, our union as well, like, uh, the, uh, I love organizing women and people of color. Like, I think there's, those are much more, um, those are, the, those are communities that are much more open to a conversation of collective power than fucking white men. And, you know, I yeah. think you've probably figured out as well. Like some of the, white I, men win the lottery a lot, so they don't have, uh, well, they are better than us. So yeah, it helps. Yeah. I'm married to one. So, yeah. Oof. Also, public sector. Yeah, he should unionize with <laughs> the other two people. He's got the bar, with man. With the with the like, other yeah. two women in his office. Yeah. So, but no, I think like there are some there are some points there, and uh, I'm excited. And let me know if you want to like frame these out, or if you yeah. have conversations, or if you need some resources. Let me know. I'm happy to. Thank help you for out. this. I need I needed I needed a a, a boost. Yeah. I needed a jolt. I needed because I was just spinning my wheels, and it's. Just, just been me for so long and um i was looking at it as a chore and i don't want this to be a chore Mm because everything about my job i love Mm -hmm. and so far this has been the only thing that i haven't tried as hard as i could but i want to so i just needed a little spark yeah and i think just like like you know 90 degree reorienting right like just the same things you're doing now just move that tack over just one over right and i don't think you need to do anything more but just always having different advice and you know we're we train a lot in our jobs right like so training is like really important and you know you just need a lot of like ammo in your tool you know you need a lot of tools in your toolkit because the conversations you have you can just draw different ideas and different advice but you know it's always that north star of collective power like there is no other way for unions to be successful than collective power. And as long as you orient so all of your, yeah. so many, so, so much of your conversations around helping people understand collective power and the opportunities available to them from that, then you're, you've got a lot of ocean to swim in to get to that point. So that would be, but you know, I, your heart's in the right place. You know, you know, I think that's the key thing. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I was, I'd be much more worried if you're having a conversation, which is like, you know, gosh, you know, I've been doing this for so long, I'm fucking over it. And, you know, like, you don't sound cynical about these kind of things. And, like, just find, you know, like, there's a lot of cynical people in the world. Yeah. Especially about unions and jobs. And it's like, why am I paying $35? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, like, well, okay. We can have, we can have that conversation, right? Like, this is why. Do you not think that's valuable? Right. Okay, well, like, you know. And they'll never admit it to you, you know, but, like, they <laughs> At the end of the day, they won't drop. And then some people actually join with you and want to be a part of it. Yeah. And you know what signing up new members is like anyway. There's, a, there's, a, there's some juice to that as well. Yeah. So I like no, that. Yeah, that, that part is exciting. All right. That's all I got. Cool. All right. I'm empty. It's more than enough. How do I uh, unionize uh, directors of implementation governance? 
Well, since there's only one of you, I assume it shouldn't be hard. Or... Yeah. <laughs> I, haven't found it to be, I haven't found it to be that challenging. I mean, it's kind of the awkward thing in these conversations is I'm, I'm at a company that uh, they're not aggressively anti-union, but they're doing everything, you know, they're doing all the basic stuff to make it feel like we're a family, uh, which I don't, you know, I don't truck with any of that. But I end up, I end up automatically becoming more or less a... Um, an ersatz union representative wherever I go because in the process of attempting to do my boss's job as just a general strategy, what you end up doing is you represent the people that work for your boss because um, the easiest way to improve the work that people are doing right. is to address the concerns of the people performing that work, which is exactly what a union does. So you <laughs> minus, minus pay, I mean, that, that may be the only lever I don't pull but it's it's interesting like the the benefit of a union is absolutely self-evident to me even in a completely anti-unionist basis yeah. um cuz it's it's what I do I I go out I seek <laughs> I seek the complaints right. that you're talking about yeah I prioritize and establish them come up with solutions for them and go for so in a way I'm like the ultimate union buster because I am doing the thing that a union would do but that's also why I see the value of a union in the first place so a union in some way and you know the hope would be that it would be proactive but it certainly would have had a better shot of being proactive mm -hmm. than what I was doing which was you know interviewing these people trying to figure out what how we can improve what we're doing because um, they have to deal with political forces because I am still competing with them. I'm still, right. you know, yeah. there's still an adversarial relationship. Every dollar I get is a dollar they're not getting. Like, and that still does matter. Mm -hmm. Like, I am a third party. So, it's an imperfect system. And, of course, I'm compromised because that's what's paying my salary is that I'm doing all of this work. And the company sort of recognizes that. Well, and there is a better way. <laughs> There's a better way. There is, there is a better way. You could formalize that relationship. Um, but they would have to fight for it. And I've taken myself completely out of that equation now. So, Well, I think, too, right? Like, one of the things that I, don't, I just want to clarify, too, is like, um, this is something that like workers have a hard time with is that, right, if I bring a complaint and nothing happens as an individual, right? Like, the reason we act collectively is because that is the, the main way that we can hold bosses accountable. And that's one of the toughest things, like, why, I mean, and this is something, you know, another question you can ask is, like, why do politicians want to get rid of unions, right? Like, why do the bosses want to get rid of a union? And once again, like, let that fucking question hang over that, right? Like, if unions, if unions are bad at their jobs, and they're bad at getting us raises, and they're not effective, then why do they want to get rid of us? Right. Like, it doesn't fucking make <laughs> sense. And, the you know, like, the reason is, is because, you know, like... Unions and through a contract is a way for holding management accountable on the terms of the agreement. If there is nothing to hold anyone accountable, do you think that they would offer this? And it seems to me, David, that like there you do have an ability to have credibility in holding management accountable to concerns that people raise. In which case the position or the service or the 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 function you have in achieving that sense of justice is the credibility you have for the bosses to listen to you. And that is credibility is something that is is un, is informal right the problem with collect, collective workers is we work, unions do not require credibility um 
as the first step of that, they were, they need legitimacy in the law to protect it, and that is I, the key thing. From them, I'm right? working, and yeah. I'm working the other way around. I don't. I'm not soft selling the workers. I'm soft selling the bosses. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm basically. I'm. I, I'm selling the idea to the bosses that they should pay attention to the workers. Yeah, absolutely. All while taking the middleman slice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Making out everyone's, you know. Which again, that's that's the gotta get my beat with beat. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's, that's the beautiful conflict of interest here is like Ryan has the pitchfork and I have the pillow. Yeah. Like I'm doing like I'm doing exactly the same job Ryan is doing just from the other the other side. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't think that what I'm doing is more effective for the workers honestly because they have as the I gave the anecdote they're less honest with me mm-hmm. because I still talk to the boss all the time. Right. I'm trying to be the boss's friend. So anything they tell me, if they don't think that they're already out of a job, they, they're going to soft pedal it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I've gotten better at loosening them on that. Cause I don't rat on people. Like I, my reputation's reasonably intact as long as I, this, and this is, you know, another weird reputational thing that unions have to figure out how to shake. Um, I mean, I ha- I've gotten people fired. Um, like, and the, honestly, the best, some of the best work I've done is getting people fired. Mm-hmm. Is recognizing people who don't give a shit about the success of the company and going, this person needs to go. Yeah. Um, which is something you know a union could theoretically do, but in, in practice, I assume doesn't that doesn't happen. Very I've not got, I've gotten. I've had. I've had two managers resign in my tenure. Um, both. One more directly related to what we did, and then another one more tangentially related to what we like, what we were able to not expose, but like bring to light. Right. Yeah. Um, so I mean, we we are a check on management, which is why they don't want unions, right? Because once again, like mm-hmm. every every gain a union wins is the is comes at the discretionary power of the employer, and that yeah. is why they don't want they don't that's why they don't want us because they the power goes back to them. So and, so that is definitely a place where I where my my cell is more compelling because this guy was the fucking. And that was maybe the most valuable thing I did last year was get that guy fired. Um, so that so th- maybe there is there's there's one place where this is more practical. But again, that's that's talking. That's management is supposed to be de- the C-suite is supposed to be identifying those people. They are supposed to be dealing with that. You're talking about the people who do the actual work. Mm-hmm. The, person, the person I'm talking about was not doing the actual work. <laughs> either, the, either the work he was assigned to or. Or the Marxist conception <laughs> of producing the goods. He was doing neither of those things. Um, yeah, it's an interesting interplay. Um, I hope there's room for both because it seems to be the only thing I'm good at at a corporate level. But no, I, there's fucking. It, it it makes perfect sense. We talked about this when we were doing the potluck thing. Is um, the idea that there there are people in Hollywood um, at levels you wouldn't expect who who like. SAG mm-hmm. and SAG-AFTRA and all that stuff because it makes a lot of things a known quantity that would otherwise just be up in the air. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know where to go to get people. I know how much they cost. I know what they expect. Yeah. I know what to expect of them. Like There's there's genuine value in that. Yeah. Um, and it's not recognized because <laughs> the companies are also playing that lottery. They're also playing the lottery of, okay, well, maybe we can get a little bit more out of this. Yeah. Maybe we can exploit a couple more people. We can get away with a little bit more here, a little bit more there, and the bottom line benefits. Um, and that is short-sighted. 
Mm-hmm. There's it, and it's not it's not a coincidence that the greatest. I mean, there's there's obviously a lot of international geopolitical factors to this, but uh, the United States did awfully well when unions were very strong. Yeah. It's not the, there is no negative correlation there. Nope. certainly not. Um, well, and you know as well, right? Like the lack of wage growth, the incredible disparities we're seeing in our, you know, in the broader distribution of gains in our society have all risen as a result of the decline of union power in the United States since the 1980s, yeah. right? Like you can fucking point to Reagan's election and see every metric of like the value and production of our economy and the value and production, uh, the, the the accumulation of value within the wealthiest and the like stagnant little line. Um, you know, that represents the worker's slice of the pie with that as directly correlating to the most unequal port part yeah. of our society in the last hundred years. And, and, and no matter what, no matter what you want to read into that causally, it is <laughs> at a minimum, there's no correlation <laughs> between there's, there is no specific correlation to draw between unionization and some sort of degrowth in prosperity. Like there's, right. it, it doesn't, it, it does demonstrably statistically not hurt well i will push back a little bit which is that like i think that the the metric that you know that the global financial capitalism places on value today is antithetical to what unions push for in general within the within the organizations of within the you know corporate organization right like like the value of companies are, are reliant upon you know the the metrics they put onto what Google represents, right? Like how valuable is Google as a company? That value will go down in terms of like the you know the requirements of finance if unions gain a foothold in that corporation. But I also think it's not hard to make the case that that's cheating because we're not talking GDP, right. we're talking prospective valuation. Yes, exactly. And I don't you know I I don't think it's hard to hand wave that. Right. <laughs> I think. Google's val a Google would need to be more valuable anyway because um, they're um, they're struggling. I don't want to. Oh yeah, I heard, do- their, I heard their AI gave a, gave the wrong recipe for brownies. It, or something. Um, it, I was devastated. <laughs> this sounds like a good place to wrap. It All up. right, uh, Ryan. Thank you for proffering your advice. You can find Ryan at SEIU. What's your other four initials? Your SEIU. Oh, I don't know if I want that, but yeah, oh, no. SEIU, FPSU. Just there type, you, go. you can type my name into Google. You, you have a shirt that is a disaster. Not this one. This yeah. shirt is great. Um, Those are no, sunrise colors. You have a disaster that's of an alphabet soup shirt that you wear. Yeah. With the God, you guys, you guys. That's that's intense. Yep socialism going on there i love it you need a you guys need a snappy logo and thank you anna for representing teachers not everywhere that's not true in orange county (laughs) yeah thanks ryan a lot anytime seriously yeah no anytime yeah this is the spark i needed to deal with that yep absolutely (laughs) because it must be dealt with (laughs) very good let's get lunch enjoy your chili good afternoon everyone